Namaste, and welcome to the Modern Mystic Podcast, where we are exploring the mystical in the mundane and the magic in the present moment, bringing you ancient tools and technologies into modern day living, yoga, mythic, and healing conversations with expert and visionary powerhouses sharing their stories and secrets with you to help you live an inspired life. A Chinese proverb says, to forget one's ancestors is to be a brook without a source, a tree without a root. My name is Kilkenny, the host of the Modern Mystic Podcast. And today, as we stand on the precipice of Samhain, which is the ancient Celtic New Year, and some folks are celebrating Halloween here, in time-space reality in the Northern Hemisphere and also around the world right now in many places, the Day of the Dead is being observed. So I thought it a perfect portal to discuss the notion of connecting with our ancestors. And no matter when in the seam of time you are listening to this, this is always such an amazing practice and pathway towards more healing, wholeness, inspiration, hope, I have found. Now, truly speaking, I know for some of us, the idea of our ancestors is romantic and fascinating. Yet, I want to honor and normalize that for some of us, our ancestors brings up complicated feelings intertwined with our families, very unique set of idiosyncratic tendencies, foibles, and traumas. Some of our ancestors' stories and lives may be interwoven into the fabric of colonialism, ecological degradation, racism, classism, sexism, homophobia, oppression in various forms and other uncomfortable narratives. But the reality is we are all branches of a certain tree whose roots burrow so deeply down into the earth that you have ancestors who for certain were also healers, teachers, songstresses, herbalists, artists, creators, seekers, inventors, and visionaries without a doubt as well. You literally have thousands of ancestors who held the wisdom of living in tandem with the earth, not necessarily the ones if you have been lucky enough to hear stories of and their names recited from recent years, but your deep ancestors who live back towards what's called, quote, deep time, end quote, which is a genealogical term I love, referring to considering all the ages of the earth, 4.5 billion years, not just when we think life existed here, but prior to that. So whether you are aware and enamored of your more recent ancestors or this thought about your having deep ancestors ignites a spark in you to illuminate the fact that you are a direct descendant of brilliant, fascinating, earth-wise geniuses who knew how to pay attention to the sky and its patterning, to be with the water and its nourishment, to work with fire and its alchemical ways, to work with the gusts and messages of the winds, and to live in collaboration with the earth. And do you know how I know this? And you can too. Because they had to, to survive and persevere the genealogical line that you stand upon. And I wish to honor those dear ones who were adopted or don't know their biological parents for some reason to consider this notion of the deep ancestors because there's so many ways, which we'll talk about in this podcast, to connect to and through them. These beings, most of whom slip through history's fingers, right? Before everything, unlike today, is being recorded, exalted in the miracle of life, 
They were humbled by the necessity of death and knew the beauty of wisdom and aging, honored the preciousness of their tribe and heard the hallowed call of spirit in their mundane moment-to-moment tasks, which opened up pathways of reverence within their minds and magic, too, in their lives. Just as I watch right now the deciduous leaves in this alcove of time beginning to change their shades here in North America, when we think about that one day we will reveal all the colors that our current form possibly can offer, and then we will be too offered to the soil of life. We remember that life with these thoughts is inexplicably connected to death. And in this remembrance that we will become nutrients for the earth, this knowing, this reclamation of the truth can actually help us live more fully with more presence and awareness. If we remember that one day we too will become ancestors, perhaps we can become re-inspired to commit to our lives with renewed joy, hard work, and grace. We are in tandem with life, and just as life is inextricably connected to death, so too are we inextricably connected to our ancestors. And when we forge this connection, we can find pathways towards more personal healing and wholeness from this holistic collective viewpoint. When we take time to follow our branches through the trunk of our families to our roots, those roots then connect us to the ground of being. As seekers and as mystics, we are those individuals who are wanting to be brought back into connection. And in this modern age of hyperspeed and detachment from the natural world, this type of living has led to such a profound craving for so many, to such a deep soul depravity Many people have turned towards distracting activities and or even addictions, which really take us further away from our own souls and our own humanity. So this collective longing I've seen in so many people for connection, and yet more than ever, one could argue, it seems like in this modern day, it's harder and harder to find this connection with a capital C. For those of us who are clear as mystic seekers and conscious livers of life and trying to do so, when we long for this connection, revelations, healing, guidance, and even magic, connecting and doing practices to uncover our relationship with our known and unknown ancestors is a really, really powerful practice and way to find deeper connection, groundedness in this life. Our families and lineages of family, whether we know who they are or do not, are truly connected to us by energetic threads. And furthermore, when we heal the baggage that either lives in our DNA, because it's proven now, scientists have proven, right, that trauma and all sorts of things for minimum they think right now, seven generations back, literally live in our bodies every day. These stories, triumphs, and traumas live literally in our physicality and can be proven in a laboratory. So this baggage, specifically, that lives within us, when we work with our ancestors, we can start to release that baggage because these are suitcases that were passed down to us. And we can begin to also free the beings in our family who live on after us, our kin and those sweet beings who are younger and being born or going to be born by doing our ancestral healing, reverence, and work. 
our ancestors have a keen interest in this, totally. And I've experienced this firsthand because whether we like it or not, it is said in many of the various spiritual communities, traditions, and philosophies, as well as mystic traditions, that we all travel in soul groups together and that we return lifetime after lifetime with many of the folks in our families now. So we might be doing healing that benefits our ancestors in the future when they reincarnate. Or it's also said in various traditions that the draft of our healing that we do in our familial lines, psychologically, energetically, and of course the actions are often physical that we take to do those energetic and psychological healing pathways, but the healing flows backwards and offers a profound upwind of blessings and healing to our ancestors in its wake. For sure, there are some of our ancestors who alive made poor choices politically and with their lives. And then as spirits, they recognize this. They exit their physical bodies and this material plane, and they're like, oof, I was an idiot when I did that. And so they appreciate your help as you heal the family lines and understanding. Conversely, there are also other ancestors who are limited. And when they transition back to spirit, don't just become all nice and love and light. And so I think that there's like this unconscious viewpoint that, oh, when people become spirit, they're all of a sudden like higher developed and more evolved. And though this is sometimes the case, also there is the necessity to create boundaries and safe space and invitations to your ancestors. Just like we know that with people, not all people are safe. We understand this. However, there are ways to do this by welcoming only ancestors and beings into your world whose intentions are for your highest good and are the collective's highest evolvement. And by setting this intention with boundaries, this is usually enough when working with our ancestors. Also, when we energetically and psychologically untangle ourselves from the baggage handed down osmotically to us from our families, I have found that then we can focus on what is truly ours in this lifetime to work on and create an original life. I see this all the time with my intuitive coaching work with individuals. We create a life that's original because it's not one steeped in becoming what our parents wanted for themselves, but couldn't quite realize. Not that one they embodied and now we are copying. Not a reaction to or an opposition of what they modeled, but our life becomes an original version of our soul's deepest desire and longing. And this is the bondage we can free ourselves from when we do this ancestral work and unload that which isn't ours. And that's part of being a mature adult, right? Acknowledging, okay, what is my work that was handed down to me? And then how can I heal and release that so that then I can get to the work that is mine and only mine to do under that? Many of our ancestors have an amazingly helpful vantage point, being not currently of this world. And so they're able to see the bigger picture. Anthropologists have created a term called ancestor worship, which refers to the fact that every indigenous culture all around the world, fascinating to read about, reveres its ancestors and has practices to do so. It's so interesting, especially if you're someone like me who primarily has, at least in the narrow sense of time, not so long ago, the ancestors who are more from Northern Western Europe, our ancestors more readily have been cut off from us and we have cut off ourselves from then unknowingly 
there have been approximately 40 generations of ancestors or approximately 1,000 years, however you want to look at it, where there have truly been no structures or systems in place if your ancestors, like mine, are from primarily that area where this ancestor worship and open line reception, cell phone reception line to your ancestors has even been in place. It's like the cell towers have been down for those of us and there have been no pathways carved. So when we try to connect with the ancestors, they're like, yay, I'm here. And they're super, super psyched. If you have family lines connected to indigenous cultures, then that's a different story depending upon how you're raised, it might have been several generations cut off. Many friends of mine, it has been some generations, but not quite so extensive. So it's something to contemplate for yourself, for sure. Ancestors are steeped in our family's collective psyche. So they know the ins and outs, truly, of what we are dealing with. Like in life, some of them may be difficult, as I mentioned, and not together altruistic. So As I mentioned, using discrimination and welcoming the ones who are here to support you for your highest good in service of your soul's evolution, and even the ones, if you're lucky enough to have stories told to you that feel sweet to you, that resonate, that you see their picture or you hear a little tale and it might make you laugh or catch your eye, that is um, a sign to move towards that ancestor. Your soul recognized them as safe. So what are some practical down-to-earth ways you can begin to continue your relationship with your ancestors? One is a contemplation that you can ask yourself. What are the patterns within myself that are so hard to see? It is like trying to see the air I breathe or find the bottom of the water I'm swimming in, but it's too deep. These are the patterns of inherited heartache and trauma, anxiety and depression, addiction even. The constellations of being that seem so comfortable to us, but create huge quantities of our suffering. If you're not clear when you contemplate that question and sit with it for a while, Ask a trusted loved one, what is something about myself or the way that I act that I don't see as long as you're really ready to hear it and receive it? Friends who have a hard time with constructive criticism, be gentle with yourself. And if you're not ready to hear it, because these can be deep responses. In the psychological world, this is referred to as Jahari's window. Jahari's window has four parts. The one is things that you know about yourself and others know about you. The second are things that you know about yourself, but others don't know. And then there's this third, the quote unquote blind spot of which I'm referring. And that's that which is unknown to you about yourself, but known by others. And then the fourth pane of Jahari's window is lastly, really the ultimate shadow work. And that's that which is unknown by both you and others about yourself. So, In space and time right now, we are in the Western astrological land of Scorpio season. We just entered that. And whether you're listening to it during Scorpio season or later, you can know Scorpio is the teaching because we all have Scorpio in our Western astrology natal charts. Scorpio lives somewhere and you can research that. But it reminds us that anything that is expressed in consciousness or outwardly in the world has its roots in the unconscious. And when we take time to shut out the external world and tune in as seekers, as conscious livers walking our path to our own inner universe, that's when we can make the unconscious conscious. If we follow the deep roots of our ancestral stories, Contained in them are karmic remnants, gifts of brilliance and talents, as well as shadows of the past. And that's something that's important to bring out too. 
is that often we can be focused in this healing, connective, inspiring, magical work of being present and inviting our ancestors more fully into our lives. But I can't remember when I've heard often, at least, the idea of really thanking our ancestors for the gifts that we possess, because so many of our talents and skills, of course, unbeknownst to us consciously and in our memory of this lifetime, but they were practiced and handed down to us to and through our DNA as well. So those gifts and blessings live in our physicality, in the marrow of our bones too, along with the trauma. We were born into this conversation had by life and that within that conversation is our life's story. All really, really scorpionic, deep thoughts to think about. And when you're thinking about friends who love astrology in the Western architecture of astrology, the 10th house is and has to do with that scorpionic deep energy. It symbolizes our ambitions and some people even say the thwarted ambitions of our parents and our ancestors. So if you know about houses, your 10th house and your chart can dance with some of these themes with ancestors I'm speaking of today. Every person on earth originally lived in an unbroken and unfettered connection with the land because they had to, like I said, they survived. They're your ancestors. So they're really profoundly interested, I think, in talking with us because of what I said, one, that healing and proactive conversation we have with our ancestors and then the work we do because of it affects them. There's a draft that they get to have the blessing of. And two, because our current world is truly in crisis and our ancestors are like the kids trying to wake us up during a house fire. And it's so hard to get the parents awake because it's hard, because we're these physical beings walking around, a lot of us not even paying attention to the murmurs of spirit that reveal themselves during our physical, quote-unquote, mundane moment-to-moment lives. And so in some sense, truly, it's never been more crucial because of this crux we stand on at this time on planet Earth, in our humanity that truly is in crisis, to connect with them because they are the ones who can help us return to the old ways as they had this unbroken and unfettered relationship with Mother Earth at some point in the past, living with the rhythms of nature, because that was the only way, way back then, for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years. They wanna help us out. They truly are our energetic kin And so they're invested in as such. They can be such a mirror to our self-knowledge as well, reminding us not only to connect with nature around us as they once did in the outside world, they can act like this outer compass to get us through this modern maze as the systems around us are collapsing. And honestly, we need so many of the systems that are eroding, we need them to go and get back to these wiser ways that are truly part of the mystic path, living more in cycle with the rhythms of nature. A very practical way that some of you will have already thought about doing or done is connecting with your genealogy. Friends who know their parents' names and grandparents' names and their lineages, you know, this can be easier for. We do have all this access, though, which completely comes with the privilege of money and time, and I honor and recognize that. We do have pathways and access as a society to getting DNA tests as well for those friends who don't know their biological lineages. So, One thing you can look at, of course, is Ancestry.com. Many people have have heard of that. For friends of mine with African ancestry, 
There's a website called AfricanAncestry.com that I haven't personally used, but clients and friends of mine have and report it's great. It is these more popular genealogical explorations, totally more supportive of white people and people of European descent. And so I honor that truth that's sad but real. But definitely the modern technology has made deep ancestry uncovering really, really more accessible, which wasn't the case even like 10, 15 years ago. So when I say those deep ancestors, I'm talking about, you know, long, long, long time ago, you know, closer to the ice age. So for those, there are two different DNA tests. There's the Y DNA test and that considers genetic information that you share with all your family members. And that has that Y chromosome that literally uses DNA from the last ice age. That's like approximately 2,000 generations ago before agriculture. And so because the Y chromosome is just through the male line, it's just males, that carry that, that has to do with your father's line. And then there's a second test, which is the mtDNA test. And that traces the matrilineal ancestry line. That's your mother's female family line. And those tests can give you information about your more recent ancestors. The third test is called the autosomal DNA test, and that traces a person's autosomal chromosomes, which contains the segments of the DNA the person shares with everyone to whom they're related, maternally and paternally, both directly and indirectly. And they can, from what I've read, really confirm ethnicity percentages and even close relationships with a high level of accuracy. And those results from that third test is usually more relevant to more recent family connections than the other two aforementioned tests. I've had clients and heard stories of people that when they start doing this kind of work, even the family tree work, filling in these names of people they discover, all of a sudden, more and more connections appear, whether they be filling it online where you can fill in through Ancestry.com and above the high branches, when you filled in the low branches, start appearing the more work you do. And photos can appear because other people around the world are entering their information. I have to do more of that work, but I'm very much looking forward to that. Also, the more we connect to our ancestors, serendipity, magic happens. It must be like crossing over boot camp, so to speak because the ancestors learn through dreams and through feathers and coins or however you receive information and little winks from them via the universe to do this in moment-to-moment life. So when you bring your attention towards working with your ancestors, whether it's in a very practical way, like connecting to your genealogy and doing tests and such, or it might be that you're more just turning your attention to thinking about them. Another thing that you can do is literally make time in your meditation or before you go to bed and repeat their names. You know, we all have the same number of ancestors, even if we're adopted. We all have two grandparents and then it goes exponentially, of course, doubling to four grandparents and then eight great-grandparents and 16 great-great grandparents, and so on. And so you can think about them, even if you don't know their names, but thinking about them in this mathematical, linear, spatial way. If you know their names, you could say their names aloud when you're driving in a car, before you go to sleep, when you're praying or communing with the divine, when you're taking a hike in the forest. You could write a story to them, If you know any of the stories in your ancestral line, you know, even little things that seem like inconsequential or mundane stories about an uncle who harvested potatoes or an aunt who threw her books in a wall and jumped on a boat 
from Ireland to this land or from Africa to this land through the forests, you could come up with a story and just even do what's called automatic writing, where you put your pen down, you set a timer, you say, okay, I'm thinking of the story I heard about this being who was in my family line, an ancestor, and I'm going to just see what happens and not lift up my pen for said time, for five minutes, for three minutes, for 20 minutes. And just thinking about their story, see what pours out of you and commit to not lifting your pen or lifting your fingertips off the computer. And that's another way that you can connect to your ancestors. When we turn our attention, we know as mystics and seekers and conscious livers of this life, our attention is currency. And when we direct that currency towards our ancestors specifically, just like when we direct our attention to anything, it grows. It grows for us. That's how energy and attention works. So another way to work with your ancestors is if you have an altar or in the yoga tradition, it's called a puja. You could place on it an item or a few items that represents them to you. It could be something that you have of theirs if you don't have anything. It could be something that symbolizes their culture or them to you. Something that calls them in quite physically in this world. And then when you do your meditation, welcoming them into your meditation or before bed, welcoming them into your dreams. But it's really thinking of it like a drawbridge and allowing that drawbridge of communication to settle down. And so there is a way to cross that bridge from yourself to them. And sometimes you might find if you say their name aloud and go to sleep, they come to you in your dreams or you think about them and invoke them during a meditation or dedicate a meditation or a yoga practice or a tai chi practice to one of them, all of a sudden there's an insight, a serendipity, a moment of magic later in your day, and you can give thanks or acknowledge that, write it in a journal so you remember that, and you remember now that bridge is open and you can continue the energy exchange with your ancestors. Sometimes it can be a gradual revealing of messages from them. Like maybe you think about them during a meditation and then something small seems to arise. Like you see their favorite flower or a cardinal that reminds you of them and that's very sweet. But then the next day you realize, oh, right, rose symbolizes the divine feminine and really looking to heal my relationship with the divine feminine, my partner, my girlfriend, my mother. And, and so it goes deeper than that. And so you can pay attention to that. Sometimes they come sweetly, but their messages are profound and deep and they can give you clues along the way and then you are unpacking them. Another way we can work and connect with our ancestors is making art. It's a great way to commune with them. It can be serious work, totally, and it can be playful work because they love play. They are full beings, and even though they're not in the physical form anymore, they still love the gamut of awareness and presence of being, which includes art, which includes playing the piano. They love when people play instruments for them or sing to them, thinking of them. Maybe it's drawing, maybe it's clay. I mentioned writing, but really think about like what are the ways that you create joy just for joy itself? In yoga, the word is called lila, the Sanskrit. And it literally means like living for the sake of living, for the joy of it. And when we get light, and I like to call this out and recognize this, and it's been true for me in my own spiritual journey, Lightness attracts spirit. Lightness attracts magic. Of course, seriousness does too. And there is an appropriate amount of boundary and seriousness and intensity and fire. And I definitely have all those. And yet in equal measure, joy and lightness and play and song, drumming is a great way. A lot of people I've worked with love drumming. 
particularly if you discover that your lineage of ancestors were, you know, from an area in the world where indigenous people drum, or maybe an area in the world where indigenous people dance. Starting to think and contemplate if you know, or when you do this research, you know, which countries you know that some of your ancestors lived in, which countries that are not the country of your origin or home currently, do you feel drawn towards? Do you feel pulled to? So often those places we might discover when we learn more about our ancestors are places that they travel through or even lived in. And so thinking about the food that's eaten in those countries, the ways of life and the land itself and then inviting those things into your current day-to-day life can really be affirming and a way to, again, lower down that drawbridge and connect to one's ancestors. Looking up recipes, cooking food that you think they might have eaten, or a family recipe. Bringing the spices or herbs into your home that would have been grown or used when they were embodied. Things like that can be so powerful and then really healing to our bodies because our bodies are made of their bodies. They carry the same architecture, the same DNA infrastructure. And so what felt good to them or what was natural from the area that they were born that infused and enlivened their life force in their bodies at the time, similarly can very well do the same for yours. There are people called lineage healing practitioners and lineage healers and various iterations of those titles, ancestor healers. And you can work with people in this modern day age. Of course, shamans, priestesses do a lot of this work. Always, you know, check in with people that they're trained and skilled. But guides can be really, really helpful in this deep work. You are the product of the love of millions, millions. You are the product of the love of millions. Let me say that again. (laughs) And whatever their story was, it's how you got here. And like I mentioned, they survived because they had knowledge of living with wisdom, of the earth and her rhythms and the cycles. And so the more grounded we can get in the rhythms of nature, which I'm always talking about, the louder the voices of your ancestors will be. Your own life's medicine and capacity to heal yourself will totally grow. I'd like to invite you now to an ancestor meditation. And so let's take a moment and you can do this later if it's not safe to do this now, or you can join me. But find a place where you can have no distraction. And if it feels comfortable to do so, you can close your eyes. This longing that we have to connect back to our ancestors back to our instincts, back to the energy from which we came quite physically through our ancestors is so poignant because it's all in the name of connection. So first connect to your breath, this thread of life that connects us to all of life, past time, beyond space. And on your next exhalation, begin to feel into your seat and your legs. Feel them as roots, connecting to your ancestors is connecting to your psychological karmic roots. Feel those roots reflected at the roots of your trunk and your legs and take another exhalation. 
And now, if you so desire, you can set the intention to either connect with a specific ancestor. If there's one that you know in the field of your awareness, you can silently or loud say their name. Or simply welcome in any ancestor of yours who will be supportive of you on your journey in a positive and healing way right now. And welcome them in. The ancestors were connected to the earth. And so, as I've mentioned, this relationship with the earth is a beautiful place to start. And so, as you feel your body expand and contract with your breath, as you turn inward, feel into your bones, like the bones of you, the structure of you, these bones that hold the information and DNA, the energetic architectural imprint of your ancestral line. And then sense once again your legs and hips as roots. Feel them moving downward, burrowing themselves in the land energetically beneath you. And then you can start to picture green field. Maybe it's a forest. Maybe it's a meadow. But green with grass and feel what it feels like to have that earth beneath your feet. Notice the grass between your toes. Notice if the land feels wet or arid or somewhere in between. And if you can't quite picture and visualize these things, that's okay. It's normal and natural. Just try to sense them. Sense what it would be like. Sense what it would feel like. Sense what you'd see, even if it's in a more vague way. And take a few breaths exploring this thought. Begin to visualize the plants around you. Maybe it turns into a garden where you are. Maybe it's more of a thick forest. Maybe it's more mountainous. Start to notice all of them around you. And hone in on them. Are you seeing honeysuckle, ivy, roses? Maybe herbs like thyme or rosemary. The memories of the plants run so far back in your psyche and in your DNA that you might start to notice they're simply there. And if so, notice what they are. If you notice them as more of a thought, like marigold or daffodil, then that's okay too, notice that. As you continue to walk this path, notice if you see anyone who's walked the path before you, any beloved family members, maybe you enjoyed as a kid, or maybe you look up and you sense some beings that are new in a garden, in your mountain, in the forest. Keep walking and simultaneously pay attention. Are there any animals also peering their eyes surrounding you? And notice, breath by breath, step by step, who's around you? Do you sense your ancestors behind you? What are their voices? What are their messages? Stay with it. Stay with your breath. Stay with the green of the trees and the plants. Notice and take in all that's around you. Any sights, any messages, any sounds. Keep 
walking and feel the presence of your ancestors. And if you've seen some of them, you can take their hand or say hello if you haven't already, or just be with them in a way that feels comfortable. If you're walking and haven't quite sensed them to full expression, feel them behind you. Know like the Russian dolls that are a doll within a doll within a doll within a doll. They're spirits that have your back behind you from your family lines. Hundreds and thousands you can sense behind you. Feel that knowing, for it is the truth. Feel their support, cheering you on to become the highest and most aligned version of yourself that's possible because it's in their best interests. And chances are many of them love you. Feel the love. Feel their support. Acknowledge their presence and sense it all around you. Then when you're ready, you can thank them, the ancestors, the plants, the flowers, any animals that came. And you can take a deeper breath. And you can know you're returning back to your outer life, but they're there. They're always there. And you can always call upon them. You've taken the step to deepen your connection with them. And tell them that. And thank them for being here and once again, feel into your legs and the roots of them and take another breath and feel into your pelvis and seat and take yet another breath. When you're ready, you can open the eyes and close them a few gentle times to acclimate yourself back into your physical space. And truly speaking, breathe one deep breath into the entirety of your whole body, your physical body that in some sense is an ancestral shrine. If we don't get to the root of our ancestral story, we can play them out again and again and again unconsciously and so take time to know your ancestral stories through connecting with our energy of course asking family members if that's available to you and if not just know that your ancestors your human ancestors are like a totem a physical human totem that the collective wisdom and pain that they went through, and their triumphs, and their stories of joy and humanity are in you and available to you. And when you connect with them, mystically, truly, time is bendy. Time collapses when you're in communion with your ancestors. And magic, so often, and healing, and connection is really real. May we be servants for our ancestral lines and work, for even when our ancestors' stories were misaligned and sometimes filled with challenges and horror, we can help heal those lines. And it's really in our best interest and serves the greater whole of our families, and in turn really helps heal humanity. 
if we push away and ignore people and trauma, then it's really not helpful. It's not interesting. And it's not healing. And it's not connecting. May we carry their hard-won lessons to this world. And may we know that they're always behind us and that there's this truly profound reservoir of support that forever we have access to. And until we take our seat as one of those ancestors, may we continue to explore their stories, which are our stories. May we continue to release their baggage so it's no longer our baggage. And may we continue to together write the story of humanity, of beingness, of consciousness with a flavor of communion, healing, and always love. Thank you for taking these words in. I hope they ground, inform, and inspire you on your journey of the mystic path. If you like what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast platform you use. It is so appreciated. Also, check out my website, modernmystic.love, where you can find information about my very exciting monthly mystic membership. My members have unlimited access to a robust video library, which includes short videos that are easily digestible, sharing practical ways to integrate mystical living into your day-to-day life. These compelling videos cover topics such as how to ground, protect, and grow your energy, how to develop your psychic abilities, how to connect to your spirit team, shadow work, inner child work, tarot cards, lots of Western astrology, of course, in addition to syncing up with the rhythms of nature and so much more. I've gotten so much positive feedback that these videos are game changers for folks. Also included in the membership are over a hundred alignment-based yoga classes of all different levels, meditation and breathwork classes, so you can work from the inside out or the outside in and up-level yourself as you become the next version of you. Not to mention, my Mystic members get all sorts of bonus content and discounts from my visionary podcast guests. So check out modernmystic.love and take a peek there as there's a free sampling of some videos waiting for you. Lastly, if you are looking for some conscious conversation and compelling community, check out also our private Modern Mystic podcast Facebook group. Keep on meeting the present moment where the magic lives, one breath at a time. Namaste.